You're listening to Pastor Don Cherry, recorded at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church on Sunday, September 19, 2021. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Take your Bibles this morning, go to Revelation chapter 3. Um, first off, I owe you an apology. If you look at your bulletin, you'll see that we were going to begin a series in the book of Ephesians today. And the Lord usually doesn't do this and everything, but right about midweek at all, He, he just changed my thinking on some things to uh, ta- uh, take a little time and address a couple other things um, for the next two weeks prior to going into that series on the book of Ephesians, which we will do and go through as a church. But I want to look at Revelation chapter 3, and if you're familiar with that part of the Bible, you know that chapter 2 and chapter 3, and all Jesus is addressing the church. All right? He starts with the church of Ephesus, which is basically the first century church that he founded, and then goes all the way through the church of Laodicea, which is the church of the last day, or the church that we are in. Okay? And as the Lord addresses them, it's kind of like a report card on the church, okay? We all remember getting report cards, right? Everything, we're crazy about them, you know, we, you know, it told us we did good in these subjects, but we didn't do too good in these, you know, and, and I will tell you anything that uh, my report cards, I used to get A's in two subjects, straight A's in two subjects, lunch and recess. <laughs> no, had no problem with those two. We got them down. But that report card would tell us, hey, you're doing good in history and math and not so well in science and English, whatever it may be like that. Well, that's exactly the Lord's address to these churches here. He's saying, hey, here's some things you got going well. Okay, so you want to keep that on. But then there's some things over here and eh, we got to work at. But we're going to look at a church this morning that uh, there were no A's, B's, and C's on their report card. There's pretty much D's and F's, okay? And I'm sure none of you have ever gotten any D's and F's and everything, but we're going to look in to, uh, to this report and just, uh, and hopefully we will take it in a, in a personal manner. And by, by that I mean we've always got to look at the Word of God that is speaking to us, okay? Too many times we hear a message, we hear teaching, we read a book and say, oh man, this would be great for somebody else. This would be good for these people over here. Listen, you're going to miss the point if you don't take this within yourself, okay? If you don't take it personally as the Lord speaking to you as we go in this. So what the purpose behind this is, I want us to remember as a church our purpose. Our purpose hasn't changed, folks. Our culture may change, our circumstances may change, but the purpose of the New Testament church has not changed, okay? We know that. We understand that. God gave us marching orders. Christ gave us those orders when He ascended up into heaven to go into all the world, proclaim the gospel, baptize, and teach. That is what we are to do, and we need to remember that. And also we need to remember that time is short. We are going to be looking at the church of the last days, okay? The church that is here when Jesus comes back in the rapture and removes His saints with Him to heaven, okay? So Revelation chapter 3, we're going to pick it up there in verse 14. 
Revelation 3.14, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now let's stop right there for just a moment and look at some things. I think you can agree with me that the church today overall has not only moved away from its moorings, okay, and that is its foundation scripture, but I think is adrift in many ways just out to sea. You know, it seems that the church today is, is looking to become culturally relevant instead of remaining biblically relevant and true to the Word of God. And I agree there has to be some different things that we do in order to engage in all a younger generation. I get that. Don't get me wrong. But the message of the Scripture cannot change. And that's the message that people need today. They need to hear that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no man, no, you don't come to the Father anyway except by Him. That is the message that is needed out there. That Christ is the hope. You see, people are looking for hope today. I know I sound somewhat like a, a broken record in this and all, but I see it day after day after day, whether it's at work at Lowe's or wherever it might be, you just see a hopelessness on people's faces today. And they're Try it. Maybe, maybe if we just had the right government. Well, there's not any hope in government. Maybe if we just had the right education system, there's no hope in education. Maybe if we, if we just had, you know, the right weather conditions and all, there's no hope in the weather conditions. The hope for today is Jesus. He's always been the hope. And that hasn't changed, dear friend. And that's the message that the church must communicate today. So let's look here at that ver verse that we read, and we're going to see. John is going to define who is making this address. Now keep in mind, the book of Revelation was given to John, the Apostle John, one who walked personally with Jesus Christ. He was exiled to the Isle of Patmos for this testimony. The only reason he was exiled is because he was a follower of Christ. He wasn't a criminal, he wasn't a thief, he wasn't a corrupt politician, he wasn't anything like that. And all He just named the name of Christ, and so as a result, he was banished to this penal colony called Patmos. And there, there the Lord gave him what we have as the revelation, all right? So what we're looking at is John is defining for us here who is making this address to this church in verses 14 and 15. Verse 15 says, I know your works, that you are neither hot or cold. I would that you were hot or cold. Now let's look for just a moment. First of all, if you look at verse 14, you, you see that the one making the address is defined as the amen. All right? Amen in Hebrew just means true or truth. Okay? So we see what, the one here that is truth and it is with the meaning of finality. In other words, there is no other truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life, and no man's going to come to the Father except through Him. There's no other truth. There's no other revelation that's coming. There's no other stones that are going to be dug up. Jesus Christ is the final truth. All right? He is the one making this address. And then uh, John chapter 1 verse 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, that the Word was with God, and the Word was one of the many gods. Yes. Ha, thank you! 
Pay attention. There you go. And the word was God. That word logos, it all literally means the express image of. You remember when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? That's exactly what logos is. That's the express image of. Jesus said, I'm the Father. That's exactly what it is. You see me, you've seen the Father because we are one and the same. Okay? The final truth, the final arbiter of truth. Then notice, he is also the faithful and true witness. Okay? The faithful and true witness. The Word is accepted as absolute authority. Okay? Christ is the final authority. All right? We live in a world today that I think struggles with that. You know what? You know, who's, who, who, who's the boss, so to speak? You know, we look at a government and everything that can't get out of its way. You know, we look at other things where, you know, just authority in our schools today. Okay? Who's the authority of the schools today? You know, in some ways we think maybe the inmates are running the asylum, if you know what I mean. You know, and we just, you know, there is just kind of a natural bucking against authority. Okay? Any of y'all ever bucked authority? Maybe mom and dad, you know, maybe, you know, Larry and the Marines, probably not. Everything because you knew what would happen, <laughs> okay? But you know, but, but we still have that. You know, it's kind of like when somebody says, "You will do this." What's the first thing that happens in your mind? You know, kind of the hair on the back of your head raises up. You know, you kind of snarl your lip. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you and whose army, right? You know, go there. Well, listen, Jesus is the final authority. Matter of fact, the Bible says all authority flows down from Him, doesn't it? Okay? He is the authority. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the one that every one will one day stand before. And then this is interesting here there in verse 14 where it says, and all that He is the beginning of the creation of God. Literally, that is, He, he is the beginner of the creation of God. How do we know that? We know that Christ is the Creator. Okay? Paul tells us that who were that all creation was made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay? Christ is the one who spoke all things into existence. Why? Because he's God. He's God. Okay? Matter of fact, in Colossians chapter 1, look there if you would with me, okay? Let's turn back there real quickly. It's not too many books back. Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to look at. Verses 15 and 16. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Notice. Some indeed preach Christ. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get to Colossians. I messed up, folks. Verse 15, chapter 1. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now listen to this. For by Him, who's talking about Christ, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Now, also look at verse 17. And He is before all things, and by Him, Christ, all things consist. That means Christ is the one who holds this thing together. All things consist, you see. So I want you to understand, I want you to pay attention who is making this address here, all right? I want you to make sure that we get this. 
and we understand who John is describing. So we see that Christ, he is the beginner of creation. He is the faithful witness of all that emanates from God. And he is the final authority. Folks, when we consider that, we just might want to listen, right? We just might want to listen to what he has to say. So notice what he does say about this church. He says you're lukewarm. We all understand lukewarm. That that means tepid. Okay, that means tepid. And what, what, what this gets down to is just as a church going through the motions. You know, you've heard me say many times before, why are you here? Why are you here this morning at 1030? Is it because it's Sunday morning and that's just what you're supposed to do? Is it here because you're just waiting for the restaurants to open up and this is a good place to kill an hour? Is it because you don't have anything better to do? You see? Why are we here? Oftentimes, is it that we're just going through the motion that that Sunday morning the alarm goes off, we get dressed, we have our breakfast, whatever it is like that, and we go to church waiting for the next step? You see? Why are we here? You see, we just kind of go through the motion. Uh, Lukewarm has the idea of being indifferent. Just being indifferent. How many of you, maybe some of you have said about how many have heard your kids, maybe your grandkids say, whatever. (laughs) You ever done that? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You say something, they go, whatever. Well, what are they expressing? I don't care. Indifference doesn't make me any different one way or another, you see. And this is this church. This is the church of the last day. The church that says, whatever. They could care less. Whatever. And sometimes, folks, when I think of this, and I'm reminded they're in Laodicea, and, and, and just how the Lord lays things out perfectly, okay? In Laodicea, up above the city, there were hot springs, okay? And the Romans built an aqueduct that would carry the water down to the city. All right? So the water from the hot springs, as it flowed down, what happens to it? It cools off. And by the time it got down here, it was tepid. Well, what's tepid water good for? If you want to bathe, you want hot water, right? Amen? Okay? If you're thirsty and everything, you want cold water. You don't want tepid water. So here is water that about the only thing you do is put it on your plants. I don't know. Just wasn't good for a whole lot. And so Jesus was saying, you're just indifferent. You're just indifferent and everything. You just whatever. I wish, I wish you were hot. You know what? I wish you were deader than a doornail. But instead, you're just going through the motions. You're just going through the motions, you know. And the Lord's addressing this. And folks, when I think of this indifference, I just have to wonder, have we become indifferent to the truth of God's Word? You know, and now, now I'm going to address Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church specifically and everything, but the church overall. You know, I'm a little, I, I'm a little disconcerned, I guess you could say. I know we live in the last days. I know in one of the earmarks of the last days, there's going to come a falling away, right? There's going to be an apostasy and everything where we get away from the Word of God, where the Word of God is just, you know, what's the use anymore? All right? You know, I'll determine truth. I'll, I'll decide what's right or wrong. I don't need God's Word. I don't need God to direct me. But when I see churches today that ordain homosexual ministers or they celebrate same-sex marriages, I have to wonder if they have they deviated from the Word of God. 
Have we become indifferent to the truth of Scripture? I was reading also this last week, and you've seen a lot of controversy over the uh, Texas heartbeat law. You know, if you've been following like that, and the thing when a heartbeat is detective, uh, de- uh, detected, there can be no abortion. Okay, that, that's it. That, that, that's the finality of it. And what really just kind of it saddened me was there was a group of 25 churches, 25 churches that sent a letter to the governor asking him to rescind that. Churches. They're supposed to stand firmly upon the Word of God. And folks, listen, this is, this is an indictment to us. This is an indictment to us right here today, sitting here in Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church. Will the Word of God be the Word of God to us, or will we deviate in order that we can be more culturally relevant? But this is the direction of the church. Jesus said it is. You're lukewarm, you're indifferent. We have to take this personally, folks. Have we become lukewarm to the authority of Scripture? Have we become lukewarm to moral issues? Have we become lukewarm to personal holiness? You know, it'd be interesting. I'd love to have the time where I could just ask you, give me a definition of holiness. What's your definition of holy? I was talking with Sam Sadek here uh, the other week. And like preachers, you know, we talk preacher stuff. And so I asked Sam, I said, Sam, give me a definition of holy. I never heard this before, Scott. He said, unique. Unique. You remember when God said that He is holy? Okay, you remember that? Amen? God's holy. You know what God was saying? I'm unique. There is nobody like me. There's not an, I mean, the mold's been broken, folks. I'm it. And the Bible tells us that we are to be holy. God says, I am holy, therefore, you know what? Barbara, Mary, Deb, you be holy. We're to be unique. But are we any different from those outside the walls? Do people see a difference in us? You know, that last song that we sang, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Church father by the name of Tertullian, he made this statement. He said, one thing about those Christians, they love each other. Isn't that neat? They love each other. Is there a difference? Or are we like everybody else out there? You see, the Bible says we're to be unique. Now, here comes the report card. Let's pick it up in verse 16. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, that's just pretty much a a nice, polite, biblical way of saying, I'm going to puke you out of my mouth. That's exactly what he's saying. Okay? I'm just going to upchuck you. How's that? Okay? You're thinking on those lines and everything. Now we're kind of getting down to nitty gritty. Verse 17. Now because you say, now the Lord's not saying this, but because you say, church, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and know not that you are wretched, you are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. Wow. Now, I don't know about you folks, but somebody come up and get in my face and call me those names, we might just have to have a few words. But you know, the Lord, you know what, he, he, that, that's exactly what He's saying to us. He's saying this to the last church. He is saying this to this last age church. He says, you say, and notice, you say, here's self-deception. You are saying, 
Hey, we don't need anything. We got money in the bank. The lights are on. The air conditioner is going. If we need this, we go out and get it and everything. Man, I tell you, we don't need anything, God. Not only from a church standpoint, but from an individual standpoint too. We live in a nation that is blessed. We live in a nation where we have. We live in a nation where God has been so good to us and everything. So with God being so good to us, have we forgotten that the goodness is from God? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And we sit back and say, look what I've done. Look at the house I built. Look at the car I drive. Look at the boat I have. Look at the portfolio I've got. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong in those things. What I'm saying is where has our focus gone? Where has our focus gone? You see, this church was self-deceived because they said, we don't need him. And you know what, in a way, you know what they were saying? God, we don't need you. Think about that for a minute. Think about that today. Do we really need God? I mean, why? Do you need, do you need God to provide your food? You probably got a bunch of it at home. Do you need God? Do you need God to provide you, you, you know your job? You got your job. You got funds coming in. Do we do we do we need God for anything today? This is what this is what the Lord's saying. Everything you're you're deceiving yourself. You're saying God, we don't need you. When folks, the sad truth of the matter is, everything we desperately in this day need God. We desperately need to focus on God. We desperately need to realize that everything we have is from God this morning. But have we become self-deceived? You know, I think sometimes with church, now I've never had, I don't know if you want to call it a privilege or not, I've never had the privilege of buying a new car. Okay? Most economists tell you that's, you know, a new vehicle is probably the worst thing you can invest in. You know, you lose, the moment you drive it off the lot, you've lost 25, 30% of the value. Think about that for a minute. Say you paid $10,000 for it. Well, you can't get a new car for $10,000. But anyway, say you paid $10,000 for a car. And you drive it off the lot, you drive it down the street, say, ah, no, this isn't the one I want. And you drive it back and everything. And you say, hey, listen, this is what I want and everything. I want to get another one. And say, hey, no problem. We'll give you $7,000 for it. Wait a minute, I just paid ten. Yeah, but you drove it off the lot. You see where I'm coming from? So I want you to imagine for just a moment, you're going and you're going to buy a new car. And you go out to that lot and you see the perfect vehicle. I mean, the paint is gorgeous. There's not a scratch on it. The tires are nice and shiny. You open the door, you get in, and oh, that new car smell. You ever, you ever smelt that new car? Oh, that new car smell. And you sit down in that seat, and it's like, oh, this is good. This is better than being at home, man. I mean, this is just comfortable. I could go to sleep. Don't go to sleep driving, okay? But I could go to sleep in this thing. This is great. I'm going to take it. This is the car I want. And you walk out front and you lift up the hood and lo and behold there's no engine. 
Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Wait, there's supposed to be an engine under here. And the salesman said, oh, yeah, that's, that's separate. <laughs> so wait a minute. You mean to tell me that this, there's no engine and th this is a product for this car? <coughs> and, and what it gets down to, folks, I don't care how beautiful the paint is. I don't care how wonderful it smells. I don't care how comfortable it is. Without that engine, it's nothing but a hunk of junk. Yeah. You know what? That in the way, in a lot of ways, is the way the church is functioning. Man, we look great on the outside. We smell good. We got comfortable places to sit and get involved. But ain't no power. There ain't no power. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says God. Amen. And I'm just going to ask you today, because I've got to ask myself today, when we prepare to come here today, and to meet today, and to sit today, and to worship today, did we ask God to bless, and for His power to pour out, or did we just get up, and like we did every Sunday morning, get ready, come to church, plop down, go through the service, go out, and wait to get into Outback. Trying to be honest with you folks. And you know why? Because I don't want Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church to be called Laodicea. I don't want us being a Laodicea church. Amen. Amen. I don't want us to be the church of the firstborn. The church where Jesus Christ is high and lifted up and rightfully adored. Right. And the church where we realize that as the body that we can't do anything apart from Him. Right. Not a thing. Report card's not going along too good. The Bible says in the last days there'll be a falling away, there'll be an apostasy. Apostasy among God's people. Apostasy among those who would call themselves believers. Getting away from God's Word, getting away from the truth of God's Word. Have you ever talked to somebody before? I know I, I have many times in counseling sessions where whatever they're going through and you lay out the Word of God and you show them the Word of God and they look at the Word of God and they say, yeah, I know, but what do they just say? Yeah. Yeah, that may be in the Word of God, but this is how I feel. This is how I think. This is what I perceive. And folks, let me tell you something. The only thing I got to offer anybody is the Word of God. If that don't work, then I hope you can find something else. God's Word is all there is. You know, Jesus said, in the last day there will be those who call me Lord, Lord. And you know what, Lord? We've done great things in Your name. We built churches. We built orphanages. We built hospitals. We sent missionaries to the far reaches of the world. And Jesus kind of looks at him and say, who are you again? I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Folks, that's an indictment on the church. That's an indictment to those sitting in the pews. Do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're a child of God? 
Do you have the assurance right now that if Christ would return that you'd go with him? Do you have the assurance that if you go home and do like my pastor did back in 1973 and all went after a Sunday morning Sunday school and Sunday morning church and all, he went home, had dinner with his family, he laid down and woke up in the presence of Jesus. He never got up. Do you know that? Are you sure? Because in the last days there'll be a lot of tears. B.R. Lakin, great evangelist. I've shared this with you before. When he crisscrossed this country in churches after churches, Bible teaching churches, a couple years before he died, he made this assessment. He said he was a firm believer that 50% of those people on the church rolls today are lost. They're lost. They've gone through the motions. Gone through the motions. And even Jesus said, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You see? He told those religious Pharisees, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Folks, where's your heart today? Where's my heart today when it comes to our walk with Jesus Christ? Each of us must consider this. You know what? I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to take this up next week. I hope that you'll be here. I hope that you'll read verses 18 through 22 and come back ready next week to share this time together. Okay? But look, bottom line is this. We know this building is not the church. You and I are the church. So when Jesus is addressing the church at Laodicea, He's addressing you, Kathy. He's addressing you, Larry. He's addressing you, Jeannie. He's addressing you, Bill. He's addressing Don. You see, He's addressing us. The report card is not going to be favorable. But you know what? Day by day, day by day, we can seek Him. Day by day, we can live in His power. And day by day, we can commit ourselves to His will and His purpose for our lives.